Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing a new palm oil alternative and Monsters Energy's long-awaited alcoholic beverage. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the x Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Aish Rashid and Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a really interesting story about a new palm oil alternative. So um, this palm oil alternative comes from Clean Food Group, which is a food tech company based in the UK, and it plans to commercialize a yeast-based palm oil alternative that could potentially reduce global deforestation. So Clean Food Group has acquired the intellectual property and the process developed by researchers at the University of Bath as part of a $2.2 million investment. So the development process began in 2016 at the University of Bath, where Professor Christopher Chuck had been working on a project using unique fermentation processes to develop a palm oil substitute from lignocellulosic waste. Examples of this waste include um, rice waste, corn waste, spent grains, and other miscellaneous uh, waste. So alongside Chuck, researchers uh, worked with um, this type of yeast that I don't think I can pronounce, um, which is used in South Africa's wine industry to cultivate an oily yeast that matched palm oil's key properties almost identically. So this particular strain has also been found in Vietnam, South Africa, Italy, France, and on the University of Bath's campus. So researchers used fermentation technology to grow the yeast in tanks, like those used in brewing, while using this waste as a food, sorry, while using this waste as a feedstock and renewable energy as an energy source to make the final product clean and sustainable. So once it hits the market, the palm oil alternative can be used in all products that currently require palm oil. And Clean Food Group is optimistic that it can reach price parity with conventional palm oil as well. So like I mentioned earlier this year, the intellectual property gained during the project was acquired by Clean Food Group, where Chuck is a technical advisor. The company is hoping to commercialize the palm oil alternative by 2023 in order to reduce dependency on palm oil, whose high melting point and saturation levels make it a desirable ingredient in food applications and other industries. So now we'll get into what the problem with palm oil is. So deforestation from palm oil is a significant factor in the decline of the world's fauna with certain species on the verge of extinction. But due to expanding use in the food industry, worldwide demand for palm oil is increasing faster than supply can keep up. So the global palm oil market will reach $98.8 billion, growing at a compound annual growth rate of 5.2% between this year and 2030. Demand is particularly high in Asia, where more than 60% of the world's palm oil is currently consumed. So while Clean Food Group is hoping its palm oil alternative can make a dent in the deforestation, pollution, and emissions that come with traditional palm oil production, others actually believe that solution lies in sustainably produced palm oil. 
So in 2004, uh, the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil was established to promote the growth and use of certified palm oil, certified sustainable palm oil. But certified oil still only represents 19% of global production, so it's not nearly enough. Since certification alone can't address all of the negative impacts of palm oil, a multifaceted approach is needed. So producers have to adopt sustainable practices. Governments in producer and consumer countries must create and enforce laws that help end deforestation. And banks and investors should require their clients to implement policies for the, for the sustainable production of um, not just production, but sourcing and financing of palm oil. But for now, Clean Food Group is working on pre pre preparing its novel foods dossier, which, if it's passed, could grant the company regulatory approval. So I thought this was a really interesting story because I hadn't really heard of or seen, you know, palm oil alternatives before. The only thing I had heard about palm oil is how problematic uh, the industry is. So what are your thoughts on this palm oil alternative? And do you think that, you know, this is the solution rather lies in sustainably produced palm oil, an alternative, a combination of both? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so, um, you know, that's a loaded question, Sydney, and a great one. Um, I, you know, just to begin, I guess palm oil, I don't know why it's, maybe this is a dumb question, maybe you did talk about it, but like, why it is so ubiquitous in so many foods like why is it so widely used and the fact that you can't find it like uh commercially like consumers can't just go out and buy palm oil and it's very industry specific yes that's a very good point you're you're totally right you definitely can't find it next to the olive oil or vegetable oil even um in the grocery store and it's it's used on you know in the back end of food production and and what makes it so good um in food is that it has like a high melting point um as well mm. as saturation levels that make it um you know a really desirable ingredient in not just food applications but also like cosmetics um yeah. and and other industries as well um so it really and and i think the reason that we we don't typically find it on the shelves is that there just isn't enough of it to go around um and mm. and that as i mentioned like the demand for palm oil is increasing faster than the supply can keep up since it is one you know a natural resource and and we can't just snap our fingers and and uh make it available <laughs> um you know for 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 consumption and, and home cooking and things like that so it's one of those sort of holy grail ingredients well it seems that way but then you know the the impact on the environment is just not you know it's it's not as desirable yeah i i agree but then there's some big food companies like nestle who say okay we use palm oil but we use responsibly sourced palm oil Right, right. And then they say that most of their palm oil is assessed as deforestation free. And not only that, Nestle says, um, you know, they even use uh, satellite technology to like track like land use across huge areas or, um, you know, they verify it's deforestation free. And then they also um, they also have initiatives like um, in Malaysia, Nestle announced they plan to plant like over 3 million trees. And so not only are they trying to make sure that it's deforestation free, but they also are trying to like restore the forest. So do you think it's still worth using palm oil if companies are following this kind of approach to like really try um, not only to cover up 
um, their use of palm oil, but also like other initiatives like plant more trees, etc. Yeah, I think that's I, well to to answer like my initial question. I think really a multifaceted approach is is the best way because um, and I sort of in my head I've just been comparing that to just meat. Um, consumption as well. We're never going to stop people from mm. eating meat. Uh, but what we can do is encourage people to, you know, sometimes have plant based meat or sometimes just not eat meat and sometimes eat meat. Because, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's kind of the same with palm oil. It's an ingredient that we don't realize is in a lot of yeah. foods, but it is one of those like, it has become an essential ingredient in a lot of food. So I think, you know, the, the approach there is now that we have um, an alternative, I assume that others will follow. So I would imagine many companies who are against the use of palm oil or can't get it um, sustainably will use an alternative. Others like Nestle will, you know, use certified sustainable palm oil. um, And then maybe other companies will just not use it at all and and try to find, you know, different oil alternatives altogether. Um, But I feel like Nestle, they have the resources and the finances to be able to acquire sustainably produced palm oil whereas i think smaller companies i because i i would imagine it's very expensive not only just the the ingredient itself but to have it be certified and then to also have those initiatives to um, plant trees and and things like that so i i would imagine larger corporations like have have those resources but but others may not so yeah, it's 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 obviously like a we're not going to solve this issue, um, you know, in a twenty minute podcast. <laughs> but it's good to it's good um, that there's at least an alternative now, and potentially if it does do what palm oil does, then that could be huge. Yeah, like definitely great points. And um, like you said, Sydney, I think a multifaceted approach and also, yeah, I think just having an alternative and a a different option um, to the real thing uh, will definitely help diversify, you know, that um, the market of uh, palm oil. And um, yeah, like I don't think we can completely eliminate um, the use of palm oil. Um, Just um, we would yeah, just have more sustainable approaches to, um, to that. And then while developing alternatives on the side, not replacements, but alternatives that can help, um, blunt the impact of, uh, palm oil production, um, in terms of deforestation and the impacts on uh, the environment. Definitely. All right, moving on to some beverage news. So Monster Beverage, famous for its energy drinks, has confirmed its long-awaited entrance into the alcoholic beverage category. And this happened during its second quarter earnings call last week. Uh, Now, the product will be called Beast Unleashed, and it will be launched later this year. So it will be the energy drink brand's first new alcoholic beverage since it acquired Canarchy Craft Brewing Collective for $333 million in early 2022. So uh, Rodney Sachs, who's the co-chief executive officer and chairman of Monster Beverage, said that the Beast Unleashed will contain 6% alcohol by volume and will initially be available in four flavors, but we did not uh, get those flavors yet. So Beast Unleashed will launch later this year through beer distributors in the U.S. utilizing a phased state launch approach with the goal of being national by the end of 2023. 
So the new alcoholic offering will initially be offered in 16-ounce single-serve cans and a variety pack of 12-ounce sleet cans. And while the Canarchy acquisition acted as a springboard to enter the alcoholic beverage category, Beast Unleashed will be the first time Monster has leveraged its namesake brand in the alcohol space, and Sachs suggested the possibility of further launches in the future. So alcohol remains a small but growing segment for Monster Beverage. Alcohol sales, which consist of the craft beers and hard seltzers purchased as part of the Canarchy acquisition, were $32.4 million for the second quarter, the company said in that same statement. And overall, Monster's net sales during the period were $1.7 billion. So nearly all of it is from its energy drink business. So this is definitely a big risk. And Monster has been exploring other avenues for growth aside from energy drinks in recent years, although this is an energy drink, but it's not the typical one. Um, So it released the first 100% vegan energy drink called Java Monster Farmer's Oats in 2019, which is made with oat milk, coffee, and Monster's energy blend that contains taurine, ginseng, and guarana. Um, which are several ingredients I have never heard of before. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, ginseng I know, yeah, but ginseng, taurine guarana. and guarana. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although I'm not an energy drink expert myself, as I've never had one. So, <laughs> well, it's uh, I just quickly g- g- turned to Google, and it says it's a plant native to the Amazon and a common ingredient of energy drinks, and can be ah. unsafe in large amounts. Mm, Okay, well, we will get to that in a second. (laughs) So uh, it also released Monster Energy Zero Sugar, um, or that's being added to its uh, roster as part of a bid to retain older consumers that wish to reduce their sugar consumption. And Monster is the latest non-alcoholic beverage company to enter the alcohol beverage category with Beast Unleashed. Although others have done so through partnership deals, and a few episodes ago we talked about Coca-Cola teaming up with the Brown Foreman Corporation to create the ready-to-drink Jack Daniels and Coke in a can. And um, as well, Pepsi partnered with Boston Beer to launch Hard Mountain Dew. So even as consumers look for more alcohol options in the convenient, ready-to-drink cans, the category has become increasingly crowded with these offerings and countless others yet to come. The global ready-to-drink alcohol market size was valued at $32.94 billion in 2021 and is expected to reach $85.5 billion in 2030 at a compound annual growth rate of 11.2%. So demand for flavored alcoholic beverages and the adoption of low alcohol content beverages are predicted to fuel the ready-to-drink alcohol industry. The market is further driven by consumption of ready-to-drink alcoholic beverages like hard kombucha, hard seltzer cocktails, flavored alcoholic beverages, and wine spritzers. While Monster is a giant in the world of energy drinks, winning against beverage juggernauts like Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, and AB InBev, who are employing a similar strategy to move into the alcoholic beverage category, is not guaranteed. So if the new Beast Unleashed proves to be successful, it will likely take time. And there were a few things that I didn't mention in this article, like we, like you had just mentioned, Aisha, that you know, consuming um, large amounts of these ingredients that are often used in energy drinks are not good for you. And I just wanted to clear one thing up: is that um, I don't believe that the new Monster energy drinks will be containing um, 
energy drink ingredients or sorry the new alcoholic drinks won't mm-hmm. won't be containing energy drink ingredients they're just going to be you know alcoholic beverages because we've had companies in the past or that still exists like for loco which is, which combines energy drink with alcohol and i think that is just a recipe for disaster and it's come under fire many times um for being unsafe and they've had to i think change their ingredients um or just the amount of uh certain ingredients that it contains but yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, yet another company getting into this ready to drink alcoholic beverage base? Do you think that um, given the current branding of Monster, that it might be confusing for consumers who typically know Monster as an energy drink brand? Yeah, for sure. I would be confused. I would be confused to see that in like a like a store that serves alcohol. Um, I would also think, does this also have, does this alcoholic drink also have the same type of energy drink ingredients? And I would probably look at the ingredient list. Um, you guys were talking about guarana. Um, and Aisha did mention that it's it's from a plant that grows um, near the equator. So actually, guarana is very, uh, it's the name of a very popular drink in Brazil. Um, so oh. some people, and I know that because I have a friend from Brazil, and um, oh. so while it's not common to us, it's very popular in other parts of the world, that ingredient. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is it is used for like energy drinks and such. Oh, and I think also therapeutic pur- uh, purposes as well. And uh, not surprising since uh, it's from the Amazon in that part um, of the world where a lot of medicinal uh, plants and uh, things can be found. So, yeah, like to answer your question, I agree with Vera. Um, yeah, Sydney, that it could definitely get confusing if, you know, to see these kinds of, you know, big uh, beverage companies that are known for other beverages, in this case, Monster and Energy Drinks. Um, now, all of a sudden, they have an alcoholic drink. So, um, I think that could... Um, it could pique interest on one hand, so people might, you know, be willing to try it at least. But um, so that could work in favor um, of the company. But yeah, definitely it could be a cause for confusion overall. But I think yeah, it's very interesting to see overall this trend of um, a lot of these companies venturing into the alcohol side of of beverages. Um, but I think it's just a way again just to diversify their portfolios and just to get cover all their bases essentially so Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah and i i don't really know whether people drink monster because of you know the flavors uh, mm-hmm. necessarily. I feel like it's you know it's a it serves a purpose um, to give people energy, and I I wonder how much crossover there's going to be with with the flavors of the energy drinks and the flavors of the new alcoholic beverages. Um, we didn't get we know it's going to be available in four flavors, but we didn't get any of those flavors. And I'll, I also wonder since I didn't see any pictures because um, I don't think they released them yet, but how different the cans will look from the energy drinks and whether they've they've done enough to differentiate the 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 branding um you know to make it clear that it's an alcoholic beverage and i think just by virtue of being in a store that sells alcohol people should know but it's certainly confusing uh you know it would be just as confusing if red bull had, you know yeah, released the same thing like red bull alcohol or like you know rockstar you know, alcohol, like it would be, it would be just as confusing. So like I said, in the beginning, like if, if it does find success, it's definitely going to take time. Um, 
and they've got you know they've got the distribution they acquired this alcoholic um, beverage company so they they'll be able to you know distribute the product in in different phases but um yeah the the success is certainly not guaranteed and they are taking a risk but we do know that this market is is massive so i understand why they want to to take part in it All right, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.